Welcome to Investing Insights, partnered by Right Property Group. This is your host, Phil Tarrant. Good day, everyone. It's Phil Tarrant here. Welcome to Investing Insights with the Right Property Group, our monthly podcast that unlifts the lid and unpacks the key issues impacting property investors across Australia. I'm flying solo. Well, I've got one man. I'm banned down on this particular one. Uh, if you're new to the Investing Insights podcast, uh, I do it in conjunction with uh, our good friends uh, at the Right Property Group, Steve Waters and Victor Kumar. But unfortunately, Victor can't make it today. Steve, what's going on? He slept in. Did he? No, he's sick. Again? He's sick. <laughs> he went, uh, I don't know, he got some sesty. Oh, <laughs> He's crook, is he? He's sick, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he went overseas and, I don't know, ate something he shouldn't have. Or, okay. And he's, yeah, he's in bed. He's he's pretty bad, actually. He can't move around and can't drive. And, or so he, so he tells so us. He tells you. Yeah. He's just still on holidays, isn't he? Yeah, six yeah. weeks. Do we want to give him a hard time? I think we should. Yeah, he's, he'd be so. listening. Yeah. He'd be, he'd be listening and judging. We wish him all the best. We recovery. do wish him the best, but yep. listening and judging is what a good researcher, property investor does. They listen to the market. They judge the market market and they make decisions in order to make the best approach to property investing. I hope that made you feel better, Vic. Is it good? (laughs) I'm going to use it as a segue. I think it's a fair segue into um, uh, our discussion today, Steve. And uh, as I mentioned in that very short, uh, brief introduction, um, uh, Investing Insights with the Right Property Group uh, is a monthly podcast that we put together, which allows us to to really get down and um, assess and analyze some quite heavy topics in property investments, some dynamics which um, uh, often we don't really get the opportunity to chat about on the Smart Property Investment Show and just really um, uh, get Stephen Victor's insights into uh, the market and um, what makes them good buyers agents. Hopefully that's information that you can use as you go about building your own portfolio. So this is the second uh, series of uh, Investing Insights with the Rock Property Group. Um, if you're tuning in uh, to the Smart Property Investment Podcast Network, over the Christmas period, we ran a whole bunch of Christmas specials, which were really well received uh, from our first series. So this is the third part, uh, the third episode of series two uh, of Investing Insights with the Right Property Group. Um, uh, if you want to go check them out, um, the first episode of series two was on the 30th of November, and then the second instalment was on the 22nd of November. And 22nd of November, Steve, we, we spoke quite a lot about, um, well, the theme was researching the market, and that was pretty popular, wasn't it? Massively. And it's you know, it's such an, a crucial part of, uh, of investing in any asset type mm. uh, is research and finding out where to go, what not to do, consumer confidence, all the good stuff. And, and a big part of that also was, was around... Um, how you get educated, right? So, so education. Education can be educating yourself on how to know how to research, or education could be about researching markets. So, there's lots of different ways to to frame education. And look, uh, I know you empower, or a big part of uh, your messaging to your your clients and property investors is you can't outsource education to buyers agents. Buyers agents actually, you know, provide a good service, but you need to invest in your own education, irrespective if you use a buyer's agent or not. You can't outsource responsibility mm. at the end of the day and it, and you need to have a vested interest in your own in your own portfolio or your own business. Don't leave it up to everybody else. Yeah, it's good. And um uh, the first episode of uh this series was uh, the secrets of good cash flow management and uh we've spoken time and time again about the need for good cash flow, how cash flow is critical to the, the growth and development of any portfolio. So go and tune in, check it out. But today, uh, seeing it's uh, it's January, January 2018, uh, I thought 
uh, a good topic, Steve, a good uh, talking point or to give us some structure to our conversation today would just be maybe looking at what's ahead for, for 2018 and uh, uh, you see it and I see it. We keep connected with our own research uh, and education about um, a market potentially in transition with some moving parts, which um, um, we don't yet know how the market's going to fare over 2018 or what lenders are going to do. But um, it's fair to say it's probably a transitioning market, isn't it? Hundred percent. I think this will be the year that'll make or break uh, some people, not a lot of people, but some people, and those that are that are well connected with their portfolios or with their business will do all right. And that mm. comes back down to research and education and what have you. But there are a lot of moving parts this year, uh, whether it be the availability of finance, whether it be the cost of finance, uh, different markets reaching their peaks, even some going into an oversupply situation, uh, and of course, other markets emerging as well. Irrespective of whether you're working or not, I know you're always thinking about property. You're off the back of a couple of weeks away with family, um, uh, to recharge, go fishing, have fun, the sort of stuff you do over summer, which is cool. What's the internal dialogue going on in your head right now? Are you, you, you worried about property markets? I don't think I've ever been worried about a property market, and it's because the market is not one, as we often talk about. There's hundreds of markets, not just even dozens. There's hundreds of markets within markets. And if we go back to the worst the worst scenario uh, economically that we've ever experienced, being the GFC, which is you know, 10 years ago now, um, that was an awesome time. It was an awesome time for, investors. for investors. But those yeah. that were prepared, mm. uh, those that perhaps saw that there was some sort of a crisis that was going to appear, uh, or those that were liquid, and we often talk about being liquid all the time, whether it be what a good market mean? or a what bad market. What does it mean market. to be liquid? Uh, having cash available. Now, whether that be cash in a bank, whether it be a line of credit, a redraw facility, an offset, whatever it may be, you should always be liquid. Uh, it's just the amount of liquidity that you have is uh, is the key, I suppose. But never worried about a market. And because at the, the what's the worst scenario? If you've got your cash flow management under control, then the worst scenario is that you just don't buy. You just consolidate for a while. And sometimes consolidating and actually not buying uh, is the best thing to do. You'll actually, you'll make more money by doing nothing. So do you sleep easy then when you think about property markets? I, sl- I sleep... When I, yeah, when I first started investing, and, you know, and everybody would be the same, that's probably where I was most tuned in, or learning, I should say. That's when I was learning the most. Because you can do everything theoretically and go to the courses and, and listen to the expert or the subject matter experts. But until you have hurt money involved, so you're actually doing something, that's when you really, really learn. And, and I think when I first began, that's when I didn't sleep uh, because you know I didn't know what to expect next. And there was no, there was no one I could leverage off in terms of information or, or learning. Today, completely different story. I, I judge a lot of things uh, by how well I'll sleep at night, and we call that the sleep at night factor. If, if, some, if you're going to do something that's not going to allow you to sleep at night, don't do it. And that all comes around cash flow management. And you know, we often talk about the state of your wallet dictates the state of your mind. So make sure the state of your wallet is in check. So if that's okay, your mind should be all right. Should be. Should yep. be. Can be. And I think the can is the important part, right? Like, but you've got to be involved. Like be involved. You can't let everybody else do it for you. This concept of a, a transitioning market, um, transition can mean different things to different people. Transition can be positive. Transition can be negative. Um, and I think... In the market that we're in right now, the property market we're in, or the the current economic cycle, it's going to be good and bad. It depends who you are. So, is your wallet in check? Is your finances in check? Have you got some fat uh, in your serviceability to um, potentially buttress changes uh, to the market? But on the other side of that, capitalise on a changing market. So, transition, change, interchangeable. 
why would the market be changing? Is it the, the lending uh, environment? Is it the um, uh, the regulatory environment? Is it the uh, uh, sort of wider geopolitical changes that's taking place within Australia right now and the way in which foreign investment is, is transitioning? There's a whole bunch of things going on here, isn't there? Hundreds of different moving parts. Uh, but I think consumer confidence is probably at the pinnacle. That's the real thing to look at because everything else of that is a derivative. So consumer confidence is driven by the price of money, the availability of money. So how easy it is to get finance, whether there's an oversupply or an undersupply situation, the local economy, macro and micro levels, everything is around consumer confidence. And we see certain parts of Australia starting to really emerge uh, in terms of that consumer confidence. And we still see others that are suffering because nothing really turns until that con- that confidence starts to perpetuate. Yeah, and obviously the government has a role to play in setting, maintaining, sustaining consumer confidence. Uh, obviously, the central bank has a lot to do with consumer confidence. Um, uh, they have a thing called the uh, cash rate. That's the uh, you know the benchmark number which goes up or down, and that is what the government uses to potentially change consumer behavior I'm, I'm not an economist and i'm not going to go into the intricacies of that but um plenty of stuff on the internet you can go and check it out what and how the cash rate works and how the government uses that to change and shape consumer confidence um, often the government will be saying we want aussies to spend money spending money is good because if aussies are spending money that means retailers are doing good which means they can pay salaries and then if salaries are getting paid or salaries are going up it means those people are buying stuff and it's around and around and around around circles flip side um, of that though is that as soon as that good stuff happens because that drives the economy mm-hmm. your interest rates go up because then Absolutely. they want they, w- they want to stop you spending there's never that that perfect balance or that you know that equilibrium you got to control the things that are in your control we often talk about that and the things that are out of your control like just be a part of it yeah know about it understand it understand how to be educated about it, understand what information you need to know in order to be able to take control so you can affect your own change. But in many markets, Stephen, you you talk about um, the global financial crisis and talking about consumer confidence, back then the government gave everyone money and said, go and buy a flat screen TV. Remember that? Yeah, I do. It's crazy. I didn't get it. I think I earned too much money. You know, I remember being... (laughs) I remember... Remember complaining about it, going, where's my flat screen TV? I reckon I was one of the last people in Australia to get a flat screen telly. I remember going through some of the the rental properties that I had at the time and yeah, there was an Xbox in every room and a flat screen television in every room and... You know, I still had the black and white, you know, four inch or 15 inch Panasonic. That's no, a bit of an exaggeration, but I certainly didn't have a flat screen telly. Flat screen TV is really cheap these days, by the way. But anyway. Digress. Yep. Um, so transitioning markets can present opportunities. And you talk about the global financial crisis. You said, what a great time. I reckon there's people sitting there who, with their heads buried in the sand, pensioners who had invested in stocks and bonds and whatnot, which are declining value overnight and uh, wiped many of them out. So transitioning markets can hurt a lot of people. Fortune often favours the brave and uh, therefore transitioning markets can really benefit people if they're ready to roll. So how might the markets change in 2018, Steve? Finance is going to be the key here because it obviously gives us the ability, not just us as investors, but any other business and asset class, the ability to be able to borrow money and leverage and, and so on and so forth. And from a prediction point of view, I, I actually see rates going up. Okay. Now, whether that be the cash rate or whether that be the banks. Now, only only very slightly, but it'll be enough to, enough to take the you know, the edge Shine off. off yeah. yeah. Um, not that that worries us. But if it doesn't happen, lending will... Well, no matter what will happen, lending will be harder. Mm. The ability to be able to get finance, whether that be via an LVR or loan-to-value ratio position or whether it be just from a serviceability calculation point of view, it will get harder. And I'm a fan of that. 
Uh, and the reason I'm a fan of that is because I don't want everybody in the market. I don't want an oversupply situation. I don't want a bubble. I want consistency within a market and I want the market forces to do their own thing. And identifying areas that perhaps won't have those challenges such as oversupply and, and the like uh, is the key to it. But that'll be driven around about the finance. And preparation is is the key. So if you're looking to purchase this year, whether it be next month or in November, start getting your ducks in a row. Now, I'm not being an alarmist by any way, uh, by any means. Uh, you know, this is just normality. This goes back to normality because the availability of money up until recently has been actually quite easy and we're getting to a point in time where we need to make it a little harder. Well, this time 10 years ago, the interest, well, the cash rate was 7%. You know, it was. In March, it was 7.25% in 2008. So um, is that normality? Was that normality back then? I think that the long-term averages are somewhere around yeah. about that 6 or 7%. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it'll be, uh, you know, this is really now starting to make predictions and I don't even think the economists know what's around the corner, but I, I don't see us getting back to that average for some time. Yeah, you know, six percent. There'd have to be a major crisis somewhere, uh, and all the all the indicators in terms of our economy federally and not just locally. Um, yeah, things are looking up. Wages growth is just starting to perpetuate a little bit. Employment numbers are looking uh, a little better. Not bad. Yeah. Um, so there's all these governing factors. So, yeah. but on the flip side of that, um, our savings. Uh, as an individual or how far we are in front of our mortgages have, has actually retracted significantly. Um, so there's a bit of conflicting information there for the economy to, or for the government, Reserve Bank in particular, to make some decisions around the cash rate. But I'm not going to sit on the sidelines and say, well, I'm going to wait till I get these real numbers or, or, or what the government's going to do because I'm missing out on opportunity. So on that note then, if you can afford to invest in property now, should you be investing in property? If you can afford to do anything once you've done your numbers, household budgets, all that sort of good meaty stuff uh, and you're in a position to invest whether it be property gold bitcoin or whatever it may be then it's better than doing nothing mm. idle cash is losing is losing value so do something do something yeah so work out what this transitioning market is um and all markets are always in transition yeah, it can go down to an absolute local level where a new bunning goes into a particular space and therefore property prices go up because it shows an increase whatever you know there is so many different factors which change markets and as and, a property investor and in a bad market there are still markets doing good stuff absolutely. go back to the gfc wa yeah. was going great guns be it all on the back of resources or what have you but there's always a market during a bad time there is um it's just really understanding where those markets are what those markets are how you fit within that market, what you can do about capitalising on that market, and then then and what's it going to do for you? What's it going to do for you? And then taking that big leap of faith, and maybe it's not that that much, but um, uh, step into that market and do something about it. Because yeah, I mean, the the two expressions timing and time in the market mm. is is something that people bandy around a lot. And in a perfect world, you want to time the market perfectly. Yeah, um, but not many people do. It's more luck than good management if you time it perfectly. Whether that's a point of getting in or getting out. Uh, and capitalising on a, on a win, perhaps. But getting into a market somewhere around the bottom of the bell curve is always mm. is really, really important. So when you um, start in the office, 20, I think this is your first week back at work. First day back. For the first day back in the office. Do you get a lot of phone calls from people saying, Steve, or your clients going, or there might be potential clients or people who, who are looking at using you going, Steve, I've been thinking about uh, property over the, the break and I really want to come and see you because... You know, I think I'm going to do this X, Y, Z. Is is this a time when people are really thinking about property wealth creation? I think this time of year is when everybody's thinking about doing something, mm. and they're going to say this year's going to be a better year than last year. Yeah, you know, that whole New Year's resolution. So all the optimists are coming out. Yeah, all the people that have 
um, perhaps just sick of doing nothing. And, mm. and that's not just around us either, you know, people coming to see us. I think everyone makes a New Year's resolution wanting to have a great year. But there's a difference between doing something and just you know, making a few noises around it. But you know, look, typically this time of year, inquiry you know, certainly does jump. We're not about, well, yeah, come on board because there's a lot of action that needs to be taken before you before you get on board and, and you know, purchase property or, or shares or whatever it may be. There's so many steps beforehand, not just uh, what you've got to do, but also mentally. That's get your finance right, see your accountant. Um, yeah, where's the, where's the, what's your affordability factor? Where's your disposable income? What's your goals? What's your time frame? There's so much about it. And this is why perhaps in 2018, if you sit back and, and, and just cruise along, you may find yourself doing nothing. You know, if you want to look at the negative media, you'll find it. If you want to look at, look for positive media, you'll find it. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find. But it's just a case of if you don't want to do anything, then don't. Just sit back, cruise. That's that's mm. fine. But if you want to do something, you know, get amongst it. So at the start of the year, and and you know, you, you see maybe a, a spike in in interest in investing in property. Whether it's I want to start investing in property or I want to purchase more property. What sort of questions do you guys get that just make you shake your head and just go, guys, don't think like that. It must happen all the time. Probably the most common question we get, whether it, you know, whether it be here, uh, whether it be uh, at the office or on, you know, even on uh, Your Money or Call, we were there the other night, is you know, where should I buy? And, and that's such, a, such an open-ended question. It's something that we can't answer because we don't know the position. And everyone's position really does dictate to a degree, where they're going to purchase and what they can afford, because everything is around about affordability, whether it be cash flow or, or the initial purchase price. That'd be the most common question. So I'm thinking about investing in X suburb. What do you think? What do you think? Yeah, yeah. And this is this is where it's quite dangerous because people will search for the answer they're looking for. Yeah, that's all they need, and then they'll and then they'll do it. And so they'll look to justify their decision, yeah. rationalise their decision rather than disprove the thesis they have around something yeah a little bit yeah. like dr google you know yeah. whatever you're looking for it'll be there rather than making informed decisions okay so if you want to start investing in property you're buying more property and you're researching the market very good educating yourself very good get away from the idea of i'm going to invest in property in this suburb and i'm going to prove to myself why i should be investing in property in that suburb yeah to a degree but i think you need to back yourself if you've really done the research and you think that's a good spot well then yeah. So this is the step between it. procrastination to action, right? So there's got to be a point where you go, yes, I'm comfortable, I'm confident, I'm going to buy something. And I can sleep at night. Yeah, and, I can sleep and at night. Look, you, you, know, you talk about procrastination, I reckon I, I would have to be the biggest procrastinator. Mm. When I first started, I, you know, I was lucky I had my then girlfriend, now wife, who just did it all for me, mm. essentially. A DIY. A DIY <laughs> wife. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I had no time to blink. Yeah. And had I, I wouldn't have done it. Mm. And I admit to that. All the way up to today, I'll buy a house in you know, 2.5 seconds mm. now. But you ask me to buy a computer, it'll take me six months. Yeah. Because yeah, I just can't. But that's a confidence thing. It's an education thing. It's yeah. It's an old, and I just don't like spending money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a it's a good point. So uh, when I look at the value of a, a buyer's agent, I, you guys are buyer's agents, and um, there's some exceptional buyer's agents around the country. I think we're fortunate that more and more property investors are actually now understanding what a good buyer's agent can do for them. So not all buyer's agents are created equal. Often uh, someone purporting to be a buyer's agent is just a project market and knocking out off the plan apartment. So be careful of which buyer's agent you use. But at the actual researching side of things, good buyer's agents will help work with you to understand um, your personal situation, your goals, your ambitions, your your uh, financial um, uh, structure, 
and then work with you and go down a journey to try and acquire assets for you. Um, but one of the, the, the key areas where a good buyer's agent operates well is, is at the buying bit, right? Buying, negotiating, you know, all the tricks and tools and strategies you use to get property for as cheap as possible. Uh, the relationships you build with um, selling agents. You say that you'll buy a property in a, in a heartbeat now, um, and that's from... For myself, yeah. For yourself. Uh, how many properties have you bought for yourself and or your clients over the years? There'd be hundreds, hundreds thousands, of properties, right? Yeah. Thousands, thousands of properties. So that gives you the confidence to move quickly and uh, be decisive and know a good buy and capitalize on that really quickly. So what is it do you think, and, and a lot of people, Steve, choose not to use a buyer's agent, that's cool. They like that's, to, right. yep. th- that's sweet. What is it that makes a good buyer's agent so different than just a, a normal person who does as a part-time job, buys one or two houses maybe over the course of a couple of years? What can they learn from you guys? Consistency. Like, mm. the, and this is not you know, plugging us or the profession. And Actually, to go back a step, there's a difference between a buyer's agent and a buyer's agent and strategist. A buyer's mm. agent is you'll go to them with a brief saying, I want a four-bedroom house with green walls on the moon, and they will go and get that. That's the job of a buyer's agent. A strategist is one that takes your unique situation and then creates a plan around that based on your goals and then implements it. So we're with the boat. The difference, I think, between a buyer's agent and someone who just goes out and does it themselves is they're not in the market every day. So as, and this is how I found it when I first started investing, was that I'd have to go out and identify a market, I'd research it, I'd then throw out a bazillion offers, I'd purchase a property, then I'd retract from the market while I got my stuff together and let the property consolidate before I purchased again. By that stage, the whole market's moved and I'd have to research and start from scratch again. The buyers, agents and strategists are in the market every day. So they're starting to see those, um, from a micro level, the fluctuations within the market. And that does happen, you know, not necessarily on a day-to-day basis, but it can be on a week-to-week basis. You know, What's different, what's today is different from last week from a value point of view or what's happening in the area. But if you take all that, all of that aside, I think surrounding yourself with subject matter experts from your broker to your accountant to your financial planner to your strategist to your buyer's agent and what have you is really really important so that everybody has these uh, inputs to your situation with your best interests at heart because uh, quite often you won't even know your own situation as harsh as that sounds a lot of people just don't know where they sit financially today even down to a cash flow scenario so it's really really important and as the year goes on I think some of these markets that emerge or that give opportunity for purchases, they're going to appear very, very quickly. And often what we see is you start to see a little bit of momentum in a market. Um, if we go back, say, let's say the end of the GFC, because it's 10 years ago, the anniversary or thereabouts, we're, we were purchasing properties at the end of the GFC because they made in Sydney because it made just 100% perfect sense with all our research and all the other good parts around it. And to, to give you some, I suppose, some... Um, some numbers around that we were getting seven to eight percent yields half an hour away from sydney mm. now unless you're betting against sydney to lose over a long period of time you know those sort of numbers make sense and it is a long-term game as we all know so we were purchasing uh, as quick and as hard as we as we could throughout these areas and the the media was still belting you know, the economy around and, and and property as well but financially the numbers made sense fundamentally the areas made sense and we started to see a very gradual change in terms of how the media were reporting property and, and what the consumer confidence levels were across um, the country at the time, and especially Sydney. And then it was almost like everyone said Sydney's just turned a light switch and it's you know gone from a 
a bust situation where no one should touch it to everybody jump in, jump in, but it's not how it actually works. It's a very gradual process. And what you find is the sophisticated investors will get in first. And then you'll get the general public that'll want to see a result before they start to purchase themselves. And that's what perpetuates the market. But it's well beforehand that the sophisticated investor has looked at the numbers, looked at the fundamentals, made their decision and set themselves and they'll let the public perpetuate the value uh, for them. And I think this year's will be no different. So I'm not saying that we're going to get a boom in any of the other states. It's furthest thing from the truth. But I think in certain suburbs of certain areas of certain states, you'll start to see sophisticated investors, if not already, start to just purchase and set themselves waiting for the general public to come in as consumer confidence starts to turn. So how is 2018 going to be different from 2017 and 2016? So you know, we talk about a transitioning market. Um, what's going to be the difference? What everybody verbalises. So in 2016, 2017, for the most, it would have been hard-pressed finding any negative media or, or commentary around property. It was just... You know, buy, 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 you'll go, be go, in there overnight. Yeah. Um, 2018, and we've started to see at the back end of 2017, is that there's a little bit of, you know, I'll say negative, negative commentary around property. You know, it's, it's going to bust. It's, it's going to do this. It's going to do that. And sure, some areas will fall heavy uh, if they already haven't started to, for sure, 100%. Um, but that's the major, major difference. And that plays with people's heads or minds, you know, whether they should, if they were on the verge of doing something, now they won't. And it's that type of, it'll affect the people that are perhaps um, unsure or they're just doing it because everybody else is doing it. But those that are absolutely invested, whether it be their knowledge, their education and what have you into, well, this is their asset vehicle, because we are talking about property, they're still going to forge ahead. Irrespective of what markets are doing, your sophisticated investor, your driven investor, your educated investor will still see a lot of opportunities in the market. And if they don't, they'll sit on their hands and they'll wait. And they'll wait. And that's... That's Smart. okay. Yeah, that's yeah. okay. So the the government, and I say the government, as in um, there's a lot of mechanisms uh, within government that can influence the way in which the economy runs. One of them is obviously the Reserve Bank. Another one is APRA, and APRA, um, the Prudential Regulator, offers recommendations or, um, or or rulings to shape the way in which lenders lend money. And we're in a market right now in 2018, which has been shaped by probably two years, 2016, 2017, of, of government intervention to uh, slow down uh, the perceived rampant price growth of property markets in Australia. And this is, um, you know, getting a balance of uh, supporting a growing economy, growing nation, growing housing, but making it affordable for, for Australians to actually enter the market, both from a owner-occupied level, but also um, an investor level. So the perception over the last couple of years was that investors have pushed prices up too high. Um, One of the reasons for that was because it's really cheap money at the moment and the bank's willingness to lend money. Now, banks love lending money. That's how they make their money. That's how they make their money. And and, and often if you get down a process of trying to get a mortgage, you, you feel as though the bank doesn't want to lend you money because they keep putting all these red flags up around something or other. Don't be deceived banks love lending money they will lend as much money as they possibly can if it's prudential if it's if it means that they're not going to lose any money and make money right banks love lending money let's get this right so so apra uh the the government regulator prudential regulator put in uh, some recommendations and guidelines to try and slow down lending so banks um couldn't grow their loan book, their, their their investment loan book by too much. They had to sort of decrease interest only loans, uh, change the way in which they look at 
um, borrower serviceability and the effectiveness where we are right now that in some some areas of Australia, softening markets, as in, and softening is a weird word. You know, what does softening mean? Well, softening might mean that prices aren't growing by 10 and 15% a year anymore. They might only be growing at a more reasonable rate of 2 or 3% or 4% yeah. or CPI, right? So be careful of the word softening, but it means different things. So we're in a market right now where intervention has changed the way in which uh, our markets are performing. Um, obviously, there was uh, perceptions, right or wrong, that... Um, uh, foreign buyers, particularly from from China, were were making it too difficult for Australians to enter the market because rampant price growth and all this sort of stuff. Now, that that's now changed quite a lot, and um, uh, foreign investment is, is decreasing the market. So we've got an overall tempering of of property markets across Australia. So this is the transition that we're talking about in 2018. But within the guise or the context of of all those different moving parts. There is always opportunities in every single market for property investors who are ready to go. If you want the opportunity, you'll find it. Mm. And as long as, once again, your education, the fundamentals and all that sort of good stuff. But they're there. It just doesn't fit your personal situation. And yeah, we talk about, you just mentioned about tempering market. And I think what people need to understand is that we will not see double digit growth this year like we have over the last couple of years. It's just not only was it not sustainable, uh, it's dangerous. You know, yeah. those people that leveraged off that double-digit growth and are now in a very highly leveraged softening market, perhaps even in some areas of retracting market, are going to find themselves in a, in a dangerous only a, position. That's only a problem, though, if you need to either realise equity or get out, right? So, um, Or afford. Or afford. Yeah. This is where people aren't... You know, we talk about cash flow management and uh, being involved... Or invested in your portfolio, it's this sort of forecasting that's essential. Are rates going to go up? Yes. Whether it's this year, next year, but they're going to go up. Are you coming off a an interest-only term of five years into a much higher rate P&I? All of this sort of stuff is where you need to take some responsibility and get involved. And those that have are in a really, really good position because they know their cash flow position, they know their liquidity position, their equity position, and they know whether they can borrow or not. And they'll take advantage of of uh, perhaps situations and I think it'll be a different investing environment this year you know not the buy and just you know let Sydney type environment throw you by 20% in a year or whatever it may be I believe that in certain markets we're coming back to a renovators market so you'll okay good you'll, point you'll buy something that's perhaps cosmetically challenged because you'll get it cheaper because people can't perhaps have or, or have the ability to fork a bigger deposit over so we're talking about a cosmetically renovated house here instead of getting 90 percent, which is hard to get anyway you might only have to get 80 or the lender will only lend 80 on this type of a property and uh, you'll get it cheaper because of that reason and a couple of other reasons and you'll be able to force its value so you're giving yourself a good perhaps equity head start mm. you know via sweat equity which is when we go all the way back to when when you first started that's mm. what it was all about it was about sweat equity so we're buying things that were cosmetically challenged that was the market then. And then as Sydney yeah. grew, we didn't have to. It was just about buy the property, mm. do as little as you can, and the growth will just carry it. Yeah. And it'll cra- carry it rapidly. So what we're talking about here is manufacturing equity. And we spoke about this in, in series one of uh, Investing Insights with the right property group. Didn't we? There's a whole podcast around manufacturing equity and sweat equity renovations. This is manufacturing equity. So spend X to uh, change the value of your property to Y. And hopefully, and that's cash flow position. And, cash yeah, and, position. But it, and, and this is why you know, we talked about coming out of the bottom part of a cycle and that bottom part of the bell curve. You really want to be buying well so that you're giving yourself a little bit more security. 
because you can't time the market perfectly. So if I if I take a um, a state or an area such as WA at the moment, and I think we've talked about it a couple of times over recent podcasts where we've, we've spent the last probably six to eight months on the ground researching uh, various parts of Western Australia, not the mining towns at all, um, but say Perth in particular, and doing a lot of on the ground research, uh, looking for that ground truth. And you know, do I think that part of the market's ready to invest? Well, you know, we'll talk about that another time. Mm. But if I were to go into it, I'd be looking for something that is going to build in inherent safety. Therefore, under market value, if you can get it, and everyone's interpretation of under market value is different. So we'll talk about that another time as well. But buying under market value gives myself safety, gives myself a kick of equity as well. So 2018 is going to be a good year? I think every year is a good year. Yeah. It just okay. always the optimist. Well, an informed investor that allows you to be optimistic. Yeah, I, I prefer realist. A really. realist, yeah, yeah and fair. Like I'm, that, that, you know, those that know me know that I'm the most conservative person there is. I, it's just my nature. Um, a little bit like you, you know, we don't like to spend, and when we spend, we want to know why and yeah. and how, and we want to get a bargain. You know, even nothing wrong with that at all. <laughs> um, so, but my money has to be working for me. If it's sitting there, it's doing nothing. Mm. for me well, let's end on that point make your money work for you 100% good thanks Steve thanks mate Victor we've missed you we've we got a cardboard cut out of you yeah. and you're looking good mate <laughs> he'll be back again next time so um, uh, I know Victor will be passing on his apologies everyone and that he couldn't join us today but um, I feel we've done a reasonable job in his absence so yeah I think uh, actually next Tuesday uh, no first Tuesday of every month you'll uh, get this you'll, you'll see him as well he'll be back out of bed by then for our open forums in Parramatta and Melbourne so just remind our listeners about them as well what, what, what are they uh, Sydney uh, it, in Parramatta for the last I think it's eight years or thereabouts okay. first Tuesday of every month uh, we have an open forum where we will have a different discussion or subject which we talk around and sometimes we'll have guest speakers uh, around different subjects whether it be I don't know, accountants, brokers, valuers, whatever, property mm. managers, and uh, you get to throw questions at them for a couple of hours. Starts at seven o'clock. Okay, yeah, you know, booking is essential because we do have limited numbers. Um, but it's a very informal environment. Yeah. It, it's not a seminar. It's a there's no selling. It's a safe space, uh, and you get to rub shoulders with people who are perhaps just investing or just starting out, and they've got all the questions that you may have, all the way up to people that have thirty, forty, fifty properties, and they're happy to share their information as well. Good. And, and the same thing in Melbourne. I think that's the last Thursday of every month, uh, but it'll be on our website. Okay. So rightpropertygroup.com.au is that the place? That's the place. And questions at if you've got any. Question. We're starting to get a lot of questions too, which is really, really good. Sweet. Uh, I think uh, the other day Kate was starting to compile them all so that we, perhaps we can do a Q&A. Q&A. We can do that. I like a Q&A session. So, um, uh, so yeah, that website again, um, uh, rightpropertygroup.com.au. Facebook page is the same. Same thing. Yep. You can find registration there and all that sort of stuff. Yep, it's all there. Uh, and uh, any questions for uh, Steve and Victor or, or, or to me, I'm happy to pass it on as well. Get involved. Um, questions at rightpropertygroup.com.au. And I think that's it for us this time. Third one. Second one? Third Third. One. Third, third, third one down. Third, third in this series. And um, go back, listen. Um, they're, they're all uh, within the feed you see here right now. And check it out. Enjoy. Until next month. That's it. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, we do appreciate uh, uh, you uh, uh, sharing your time to uh, listen to me and Steve talk for, for half an hour or so around property. But I, I trust that it is valuable. And, um, you know, our remit uh, here at Smart Property Investment, and uh, I know Steve would echo this from... Uh, right Property Group, um, inform and educate. 
Empower yourself to make decisions you need to make. Take responsibility. Take responsibility. We'll see you again next time. Bye-bye. The information featured in this podcast is general in nature and does not take into consideration your financial situation or individual needs and should not be relied upon. Before making any investment, insurance, tax, property or financial planning decision, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you. Guests appearing on this podcast may have a commercial relationship with the companies mentioned.